I believe that if you polled the general population, yeah, there's a lot of polls going on, right? But I believe that if you polled the general population, that everyone would say that they want to have a blessed life. Yeah, you want to have a blessed life. I mean, who wants to have a cursed life, right? No one, no one is saying, yeah, no, I'd rather, have, I'd rather be cursed. I'd rather be under some type of curse. No, we want to be blessed. We want to have a blessed life. But the question not is who wants to be blessed. The question is how do we have a blessed life? How is it possible that we can have a blessed life? How does one achieve a blessed life? What would you say are the key ingredients to a blessed life? Well, some might say a good family. You start with a good family and you're off to the races for a good life. A good wife. Yeah, a good wife. That's a good place to start. A good husband. Good kids. Maybe a good job. A good career. A nice place to live. Good friends, right? These are all things that I think are great and they certainly uh, may be present in a blessed life. But is there a way that you can definitely live a blessed life? Is there a surefire way that you can live a blessed life? Yes, there is. There's a surefire way that you can be blessed in this life. And I will tell you tonight how you can be blessed. You made a wise decision to be here tonight. Amen? Pat yourself on the back. Are you ready for this? You can become a blessed person by loving and worshiping God in your life. Amen? You can be a blessed person by loving and worshiping God in your life. For you to live and possess a blessed life, you need to be a lover of God and a true worshiper of God. And there are three things that I'm going to talk to you tonight, three things that you need to do to be a lover of God, to be a true worshiper of God. Tonight in our text, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 84. We're going to look at 12 verses there. And there are three things here that we're going to discuss. We're going to look at three things, three key ingredients to living a blessed life. And they all begin with the letter D. So if you're taking notes, I've got three points. And the first one, the first key ingredient to living a blessed life is this. What is it? Uh, <laughs> dwell in his presence dwell in his presence. Yeah, I had you going there, didn't I? Okay, hey, let's take a look at this. Verse 1, dwell in his presence. Verse 1 of Psalm 84, it says this, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Dwell in God's presence. If you're going to live a blessed life, you need to be a lover of God. You need to be a lover of God. And if you're going to be a lover of God, then you need to dwell in the presence of God. If you're going to love God, then you need to dwell in the presence of God. Of God. The psalmist asks the question this way in this psalm. He says, How lovely is it where God dwells? Man, we need to be drawn 
to the loveliness of where God dwells. Where God dwells is awesome. Let's put it this way. There's no, I mean, I've been to some places in this earth where you'd say, I, I don't want to stay here too long. I don't want to be here. Let me tell you, where God dwells, where God is, 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 is lovely. And the psalmist asks the question, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts? How lovely is it where God dwells? This is, of course, God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. It's Yahweh God. And you've heard me say this before. Maybe you've heard others teach you this before. But whenever you're reading your Bible and you come to a place where it says the word Lord and all four letters are in capital letters, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's not Lord. That's not like Lord of the house or Lord of the castle. That is Lord, that is Yahweh God. That is his name. And, and what the English translators have done is they have put the word Lord where in, if you looked at the Hebrew, it would say Y-H-W-H. This is Yahweh of hosts. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Yahweh of hosts? How lovely is it where God dwells? So verse 2, he moves on. He says, my soul longs, yes, even faints for this place. My soul longs, my soul faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. I think what happens here is the psalmist expresses the true heart of God or the true heart of, of mankind. The true heart of mankind is that man longs in his heart for something worthy of his worship. Man longs in his heart for something worthy of his life. Mankind was made to worship. And the reality is that you're going to worship something. You're going to, whether you, when you say, no, I don't do that. People say, well, no, I don't worship anything. I'm not into God. I'm not into worshiping anything. I'm just into myself. Well, yeah, that's what you're into. You're into self. And if you, if you worship self, then you're ultimately worshiping the God of this world because he's talked you in to being that self-centered in your life. And so man's heart longs to worship something greater than himself. That's why we have celebrity. This is why people go crazy for rock stars, actors, or whatever. Right now, we see that happening in, across the world as the, as the world is mourning the death of, of Prince. And everything is purple this weekend, right? Even Niagara Falls is purple uh, just because of the death of Prince. And I believe this is just an example that the human heart desires to worship something greater than themselves. Now, this is before my time, but I've seen the videos. Back when the Beatles came to America, you had these young girls fainting over just seeing Paul McCartney, right? You've seen the videos. I've seen them. They're just fainting. Oh, and, and just going nuts and crazy. Oh, did, I think he saw me. I think he looked at me. I mean, he touched me. You know, and just, and just, you know, fainting, you know, because of the Beatles, right? Because of the Beatles. Now, fast forward 42 years from the day that, that the Beatles set foot in America. Fast forward 42 years, I believe, if you do the math, right? Is that correct? Yeah. 42 years, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. People are still fainting, still worshiping something. The psalmist was fainting for God. This is what the psalmist says. He says, I, my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. I want to be with God. I want to worship 
God. My soul, my soul longs, even faints for the courts of the Lord for God's presence. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. The, the heart is none other than the center of you. What is it in the center of you? What is it that you long for? What is it that, that you know, I, I think sometimes we, we have that longing and even throughout the day we find things to put in that place of like, oh, yeah, this will satisfy. I mean, even if it's a Snickers for a few seconds, you know, or whatever, maybe you're being good and it's a diet Atkins Snickers. You know, it's at least something, you know, it's, it's something that you're, you're kind of getting and, and it's kind of meeting that craving, meeting that need. But really the, the reality is that our soul, the, the, the very essence of who we are was made to worship God. And there's only, there's only one person, there's only one God that's going to ultimately fulfill you. And that is Yahweh of hosts. Amen. And so he says, my heart, my heart, deep down from the center of me is crying out. He says, my flesh is crying out for God. There's a lot that you could say there with flesh, but really it's as you could say, you know, that it, 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 in that sense it's even emotional. It's even emotional. I mean, you know, what's, what's crazy is that people, you know, say that, you know, they, they, they wouldn't get emotional over God or anything. You know, I'm not that type of person. I don't do that. I, don't, I wouldn't get emotional. But yet they would get so emotional over all this other stuff. I mean, just the slightest thing. You see this rise in the blood pressure, which they're telling you the greatest things in sliced bread that they're into. And, and, and just, but no, I can't. I can't get. But here the psalmist says, my heart, my flesh cries out for the living God to find his presence, to be with him. And what this psalmist is doing is he's, he's, he's showing us the way. He's showing us the way that, that, that what our heart cries out for and what our flesh cries out for is really, is really God. It's really the Lord. That's who we want. Now, the psalmist goes on. And in verse 3, he says, uh, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Yahweh of hosts, my king and my God. And so here is the psalmist, and really this is, this is called, this is actually a, a psalm of ascent. It's a, it's a psalm of worship, and it's a psalm of pilgrimage to worship God. And really the psalmist is expressing in the first couple of verses about wanting to be where God is, wanting to be in that lovely place, and expressing how his heart and his flesh is crying out, even fainting for God. And then you, you, you get to um, imagine wanting to be in this geography, this location where God is, and traveling all this distance just to get there. And as you're pulling up and you're, you're there and, and you're like, wow, this is incredible, this is incredible. And you look over and, and there's a bird just uh, nesting in the exact location where, where you've traveled so far to be. And this is what the psalmist is expressing. He says, look, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow has, has a, a nest for herself uh, where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Yahweh of hosts. And so the psalmist is, is looking over and here's a bird that has found a home at the tabernacle, at the temple of God. And, and this is incredible because he, he's saying, look, you know, it's, it's almost as if he's saying lucky bird. You know, lucky, but look at the lucky bird because the, the, the bird, here I have been longing to be here. I've, long, I've, I've, I've had this longing in my heart to get here. And as soon as I get here, I look over and there's a bird. And, and, and there she is. And she's nesting and she's got her young and she's feeding the young out of the nest and all this incredible stuff. Now, um, I, 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 uh, 
I, 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 like to, uh, I, I like to be on vacation. Anybody like a good vacation? And I, and I like to travel. I think it has something to do with my last name is, is actually one of the definitions is traveler. So I think it's in the DNA. It's in the, it's in the whole thing. And, um, and, and so, you know, I love, you know, finding those beautiful spots. Amen. And uh, back about, it's actually been 12 years ago now, my wife and I took a trip to Hawaii. And uh, I remember when we were at a place called the North Shore, the North Shore of Oahu. And I remember when I was there, and it was so beautiful. It was, it was so beautiful. The sand was so awesome. The palm trees, the, the, the mountains, it, 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 it was just like paradise. I mean, for real, it was paradise. And I remember saying to our friends that live in Honolulu, lucky, right? And, 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 you know, yeah, and, and they were the ones that drove us up there to the North Shore. And, and, I, said, and I said to my friend Sean, I said, just send for my things, just sell them, do whatever, just, just, I'm just going to put my lawn chair down here, this is it, this is where I want to be for the rest of my days. I'm just going to sit here, and, and th- this is awesome. And uh, I believe, did, do I have a picture? Yeah, Sunset Beach, Sunset Beach on the north side, the north shore of Oahu. Now, if you're in that particular location, or maybe it's a location that you love, yeah, you can take it down, you don't want to distract them too much, okay? <laughs> <clears throat> If you're in a type of location like this, and I have done this at various places where I've been, and I'm like, man, it'd be nice. It'd be, it, I, could, I could see myself living here. You know, this, this, this could work out, you know. Um, and then you look over, and I have done this because I'm weird, okay? You may not be weird. You may have it all together. I'm a little different. I look over, and I actually have looked over and seen a bird and said, yeah, he's here, you know. <laughs> He's already here. He seems to be having a good time, and I got to go back to wherever, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, really, this is really what the, the psalmist is saying. Like the, the, the bird, the sparrow, is even already there. And, and then he closes it up here. He says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. And this, is kind of, this kind of sums it up. It's kind of like, man, if I was that bird, I'd just be here all the time dwelling with God. I'd just be where God's presence. I'd be in that lovely place. I'd be in that, in that place. And, and, and the thing is for us, the thing is for us is that, that we get to dwell in God's presence. That we've got we've to find God's presence and we've got to dwell in it. And when we come to him, we've got to realize that he is with us. That, that, he, that he comes to, at salvation, he comes to live inside of us. And, 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 he, and, he, and, he, and he is within us. Paul says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We become the temple. We don't have to envy the bird that's at the temple. We become the temple of God. Amen. And and we're uh, in the presence of God. Many, many years ago, one of my favorite artists back about 20 some odd years ago, um, Charlie Peacock is his name. And uh, if you're familiar with him, he's... uh, uh, had some really good stuff back in the 80s and 90s. But anyways, he actually put out a, an early worship album, and uh, it was called Coram Deo, Coram Deo. And, and it's actually a Latin phrase that actually means in the presence of God. And the whole project was oriented around trying to, to help people think about the fact that as a believer that we get to live life Coram Deo that we get to live life in the presence of God. You know, I think too many Christians, you know, kind of live their life from, 
you know, kind of service to service or weekend to weekend. And, and really, that's, that's not really what we're called to do. The service ultimately becomes a celebration of the fact that we've dwelt with God's presence all week. And we come in together as this awesome celebration to declare unto God everything that he's doing, everything that he's teaching us, everything that he's doing in our lives because we're living Coram Deo. Amen? It's actually a Latin phrase in the presence of God. There was a Catholic uh, priest who uh, wrote a lot of journals and books and things, and his name was Brother Lawrence, and he wrote a book called Practice the Presence. Practice the Presence. And, and basically what he was trying to get at, and it's, it's been a little while since I uh, uh, dove into Brother Lawrence, but... Um, but the, but the gist of the book was to get people, get Christians to realize that as a Christian, you are the temple and you are living in the presence of God. And, and, and he says, practice the presence in a way to say, hey, you got to kind of you got to kind of wake up and kind of put that on, that, that, that mindset. you got to practice his presence. Maybe it is the practicing of the presence is just simply reminding yourself that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I mean, Paul said it. I mean, he's the one that said it the way he said it. He says, don't you know? Know you not? We know it in the uh, King James. Know you not that you are the, the temple of the Holy Spirit? And so some, maybe it's reminding ourselves. Maybe it's getting, in, getting it into our mind, getting it into our heart, getting it into our spirit that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God is with us that he's with us by his Holy Spirit, that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And so that's in every situation, in every situation that we find ourselves in. And, and I know you're just like me. You go through the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs. Sometimes it can be a, a roller coaster a little bit. Not so much because, you know, sometimes some people do it to themselves just because they're, you know, emotional basket cases. But there's other people that just, you know, the stuff happens. And, 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 and you know, this, this happens to this person. And maybe you're a compassionate person and you ride the roller coaster with every single person, you know. You're, you're on your roller coaster, you're on their roller coaster, and it's just one big, you know, it's a, it's, it's like, you know, six flags, you know, and, 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 and you're just doing it. But you got to remind yourself, you got to remind yourself that you're, that God's with you around every turn in every high and every low. That sounds like a song we sing. Amen. Amen. And uh, he's, he's with us and we practice the presence of God, knowing that we're dwelling in the presence of God. Paul put it this way in terms of our worship. Uh, he put it this way in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He said, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And really what he's getting at here is I'm kind of coupling this idea that we're in the presence of God with the idea that Paul puts out that to, to live your life, everything you are, everything, everything you are in your person, to live that out as worship to God. So you're living in the presence of God, doing everything that you're doing to the worship of God and to the love of God. Because see, what God is looking for, he's, he's, his, the greatest commandment is to love him, right? The greatest commandment, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, and so to love him, um, with all your heart. And to love him with that, that is to worship him with everything that you are. Uh, and, and, and it's your spiritual act of worship. Well, let's move on 
um, because I told you I was going to move quickly through this section of Scripture. So the first point is to a, a key ingredient to a blessed life is to dwell in God's presence. The second point tonight is to discover strength along the way. Discover strength. Pick it up, verse 5. He says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. And they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. The first point tonight, you've got to dwell in God's presence. Secondly, you want to discover strength along the way. How's that? Why is that? Because life is a journey. Life is a journey. I mean, you know, sometimes we want to, you know, if you're anything like me, you, you, you want to find that solution and this is it. And, 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 and you find that, you know, that time with God and it's an incredible time and, 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 and it's awesome. And, 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 and you're just tracking with God and you feel the presence and the scripture is just speaking to you and God's there. And it's just an incredible time. And you're like, OK, how can we how can we just you know, bottle this somehow and keep it here. But, you know, life's a journey and we march on and we've got to go to work and we've got to go to this and the kids, you know, kids mess up the kitchen or the, the rooms and the mud's on the floor and the, whatever it is. And, and life happens and, 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 and it's a journey. And so we've got to find in God's presence, we've got to go from strength to strength. We've got to discover strength along the way. And the, the psalmist here, he talks about um, he says, verse 5, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Blessed is, blessed is he who dwells in the house of God. He will still be praising you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. And so we find strength when things change, when circumstances change, when whatever is going on, we find strength. We're blessed because we're finding our strength in the God whose presence we're dwelling in. Amen? And so he says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. And so what he's saying here is my heart is set on that pilgrimage to worship God. My heart is set on that journey. I, I, I'm just not wandering through life. I, 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 I'm, I'm not, I'm, people may look on and say, well, what's he doing? Where is he going? No, I'm on journey. I'm on a journey. I'm on a pilgrimage. My heart is set on pilgrimage to worship God. And one day I'm going to stand before him face to face, amen? And I have that promise that, that, that when I see him, I'm going to be like him. Until that day, my heart is set on pilgrimage and I'm going to keep on pressing on. I'm going to keep on doing it. And my strength is in him. He gives me strength for the journey. He gives me strength to dwell in his presence day by day. A pilgrimage is a journey to a place of worship. Amen? A pilgrimage is a journey to a place of worship. And this is what the psalmist is talking about. He says he's, his heart is set on pilgrimage. Now, um, just want to talk to you about the particular place that, that he's going. Obviously, the, the, the place of worship is Jerusalem. He's He's going up to Jerusalem to worship God. He's going up to the tabernacle. He's going up to the place of worship. And um, in the Bible, it's, it's called Zion. Uh, look down there at verse 7. He says, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. And so this is, this is where he's headed. This is where he's going. So whenever you see the word Zion, uh, you know, you're reading your Bible and you see Zion. 
Um, it's a city in Illinois, but it's also, it's also Jerusalem, amen? That's why, that's why the people in, in, that settled that place in Illinois named it Zion. They named it after Zion of Jerusalem, amen, the place of worship. And, uh, and so this is the place of worship. Zion is Jerusalem, the place of worship where God's temple is. And, and the, the, the question is, why, why Jerusalem? How did Jerusalem become, you know, this, this place of worship? Well, there's, there's a lot to that, and that's, a, that's probably a whole series and a whole book, right? But I'll just give you the short, you know, Reader Digest version tonight on why, uh, why Jerusalem. Actually, you could probably take it back before this, but I'm just going to kind of go into the timeline and pick, pick one powerful point. In Genesis 22, you will remember that Abraham was um, commanded by God to offer his son Isaac on the altar. And this was the son of the promise. This was the son that, he, that God had promised him in his old age. And, um, and finally, finally, God gave him this son through Sarah, who was barren. And wouldn't you know it, when, when Isaac's born and, and, and has grown up, God says, I want you to take your son. I want you to take him to a place. I'm going to show you where that place is, but I want you to offer your son as a sacrifice. And so he says, okay, I'm going to do it. So he goes up to the place that, that he's going to do it, and God shows him. It was a three-day journey, and when he got to this place, it was a place called Mount Moriah, and that's where um, Abraham left his servants, and he said, the boy and I are going up to worship God, and that's where Abraham offered Isaac, and the angel of the Lord stopped him in that place, in that place, and he looked over, and in the, the thicket, a ram was caught, and God provided the sacrifice. It was 1,800 years later that on that same ridgeline that Jesus Christ was hung on a cross called, in a place called Golgotha on that same ridgeline of Moriah. And this is the place that God did his business. And so in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, this ascent to worship is ascending to Jerusalem. Now, um, he does uh, say something interesting to us there um, that, uh, that our heart has to be set on pilgrimage. And, and so we have that uh, road to Zion, that, that, that setting of our hearts on that pilgrimage to Zion, and we're, we're, we're going there, amen, and we're worshiping God. Now, I want to get to this Back to verse uh, 6 here, where he says, um, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring, and, they, and the, the rain also covers it with pools, and they go from strength to strength. The valley of Baca, maybe you have it in your liner notes or whatever, it's actually the valley of weeping. And, um, and this is a place where, you know, the psalmist is likening this place to a, to a place of of, of weeping, it's a place of sorrow, it's, you're, you're on the journey, you're on pilgrimage, you're, you're going to worship God, but you find your place, you find your, 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 your life, you find your place in the valley of Baca, in a place of weeping, it's a, it's a place of distress, it's a, it's a place of, it's a hard time, and, and, and what do you do when you find yourself in that hard time? You, you find your strength in the Lord, amen, blesses the man whose strength is in the Lord, and he says, and they, they make it a spring, and the rain also covers it with pools. And so when you find yourself in the valley of, of weeping, you need to find your strength in the Lord. 
When, when times are tough and when, when things aren't going as planned and things are, are you know, you've gotten a couple curveballs, you know, God wants you to find your strength in him. You know, because the circumstances are, you know, so many people, we, we, I look out at, I, I look out across Facebook and, and I just see everybody dealing with every conceivable type of thing. I, I got enough friends on Facebook that there's somebody dealing with everything that you can think of. Amen? And, and honestly, Facebook can be overwhelming that way. It can be overwhelming that way because, because we are kind of, if we're on there, we're, 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 we are kind of riding the roller coasters with everybody, you know? And, and, and hopefully, you know, when we, when we see that person that, you know, that needs prayer, we're just, you know, maybe taking a moment and praying for them. Um, but the message here is that we've got to, if we find ourselves in that valley of weeping, that we've got to make it a spring, that we've got to make it a place where God just pours out his blessing and he pours out the rain of his blessing, even in that valley. Amen. And God, and God does incredible work. And he says there in verse 7, it says, they go from strength to strength, and each one appears before God in Zion. And so if you, if you decide to make this journey, this pilgrimage to worship God in your life, you're going to appear before Zion. You're not going to be let down. It's not like you're going to find yourself in the valley somewhere and you're not going to get out. You, you, you are going to appear before Zion because we have a promise from God that we are going to be with him. Amen? Forever and ever and ever. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And if we're here when God returns, when the Lord returns, we are going to be caught up to meet him. Amen? This is what the Bible tells us. We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will ever be with him. And we're to comfort one another with these things, with these sayings. And so we go from strength to strength. I run into so many people that, that go from, you know, weakness to weakness. They go, they go from downer day to downer day. They go, they go from sadness to sadness. And really, this is not the calling. This is not the life of the worshiper. This is not the life of the lover of God. That, that we're not controlled by our circumstances and we're not controlled by, our, by, by the things that happen to us. That we find strength in the Lord no matter what the circumstance is. Amen. And, and, and we're going to have that opportunity um, to do that. Mary Jo already mentioned it, right? In the worship time, Paul and Silas. The, that place in Acts 16 where they were arrested and they were thrown in jail in Philippi. Remember that? And um, Mary Jo told us the story, right? There they, they were. They, they were jailed. And um, they, had a, they had an opportunity right there. Can you imagine if the Bible, if it was recorded in the book of Acts for us, that Paul and Silas got in that jail and in those stocks, and they just began to complain. And they just began to talk about how sad it was and how bad it was and how difficult it was and what in the world are we doing in Philippi? I knew we shouldn't have come here. You know, this was a mistake. Whose idea was it? Silas, was this your idea? I wanted to go to the next town. You know, no, this is not what is recorded. It says they began to praise the Lord. They began to worship God and give him the glory. And what happened? God showed up and, and, and in, in the midst. And you know what? That's the same thing that happens with us. We may not get an earthquake. We may not get a hurricane or whatever. But I guarantee you when we praise the Lord that God is there with us and he shows up and he moves in our life in a powerful way. And, and that's the opportunity that we have. We've got the opportunity now complaining is so much easier. 
It's so much easier. In fact, there's a, there's a, one of my favorite bands has a song, Complain, King's X. And, and the song goes, complain, it's so much easier. And, 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 it, and it is. It's so much easier to complain. But why don't you, on pilgrimage, make the decision to make the valley of weeping a place of a spring and a pool and the rain and blessing of God and begin to praise him and go from strength to strength instead of from weakness to weakness and go from joy to joy and go from power in the Holy Spirit to power in the Holy Spirit and being able to be that person that is a blessed life Christian. Amen? Amen. This is what they did. This is what Paul and Silas did. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Amen? Amen. This is what they did. They said, we're just, we're just going to wait on the Lord. We're going to praise the Lord. I mean, you know that Paul spent some time in prison. And, you know, he, he led, you know, many, many guards, prison guards to the Lord. You know, I mean, we're going to get to heaven and we're going to be walking around with prison guards that were led to the Lord by Paul as he was chained up in those prisons. What a powerful thing. And a powerful reminder for us, you might feel like you're chained up somewhere. Well, just be a witness for the Lord, amen? Be a worshiper and a lover of God. You know, I hear people all the time talk about, like, you know, the, the, you know, the, the job and they're trapped and they can't do, the, you know, they don't have any upward mobility or whatever. You know, you begin to praise the Lord and you begin to, to just be a joyful person and a worshiper of God, God's going to give you some mobility, amen? He's going to do something. He's going to begin to move in your life, amen? And you're going to mount up with wings like eagles, and you're going to run, and you're not going to be weary, and you're going to walk and not be faint, amen? And one last point tonight, daily worship God, daily worship God. Dwell in his presence, discover strength, and daily worship God. Let's pick it up, verse 10. It says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord God will give grace and glory, and no good thing will he uphold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. A day in his presence is better than a thousand. We used to sing a song. I can't remember the last time we sang that one. You know, better is one day. Remember that? Better is one day than a thousand elsewhere, than a thousand. That's like three years, right? Almost. Right? A thousand days. He's saying one day in God's presence is better than wandering around for three years somewhere else, not in God's presence. And so we have the opportunity to not just spend one day out of a thousand with God or one day out of seven even. We have the opportunity to spend every day with the Lord. Amen? Daily worshiping God. That, that our life becomes a loving and a worshiping of God. Amen? Our, 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 everything that we are. He says, I would rather be a doorkeeper at the house of God 
than to dwell anywhere else or it, 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 with the wicked. You know, and this is exactly what the prodigal son realized. Remember, you know, remember the prodigal son? You know, he asked for his inheritance. He said, you know, he says, Father, give me your, the inheritance that's due me. I'm out of here. I'm just going to go. And, and he goes and, and, and he, he, and Jesus tells the story, right? The parable. He says, and, and the son wasted his, his money on riotous living. He was like a, he was like a, who's that Cleveland Browns quarterback? Manziel, yeah, it, it, I, Manziel comes to mind, right? Just out of control, just partying all the time, just doing whatever, going nuts, going crazy. And he goes through all of his money, and, and, and when his money runs out, his friends discover that the money's run out, and they move on, and he finds himself just in the gutter, right? He finds himself in the gutter, and in the gutter, he says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper at my father's house than to dwell in this gutter. And that's the heart of the person who realizes that they want to turn back to God and give their life to God. I'd rather serve God as a doorkeeper at his house than be in this gutter. And, and realizing that, man, I, I want to go back to my heavenly father. I want to be with my heavenly father. For the prodigal, you have the opportunity to come back and, and, and not only be, you know, you, th- you know what? He thinks he's going to be the doorkeeper, right? The son comes back. The prodigal returns. He thinks, man, I'm going back to dad's. I'm going to be the doorkeeper. What does dad do? He sees him coming. He tells the servants, kill the fatted calf, get a robe, get a ring, put a ring, put a ring on him, put a robe on him. We're, we're, we're having a feast. Why? Because my son who was lost has now come home. And this is the father. He welcomes you. He doesn't welcome you back to being a doorkeeper. Although, you know, being a doorkeeper in the house of God, finding that place of service is important too. But what God's talking about here is finding your place back in the family of God. Now for the Christian, you're walking with the Lord. You have the opportunity to daily walk with the Lord to daily be in his presence. Not one day out of a thousand, not one day out of seven, but every day, amen? To, to, be, to spend your days in fellowship with God, to, to have that awesome communion with God. When you wake up, you're just with the Lord. You, you, you might find it, you might think of it as, as irregular. You know, I think sometimes people, when they first get saved, they, they start talking to the Lord, and they're like, wait, 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 what am I doing? Yeah, I'm talking to God. You know, it's like when you're praying out at, out at the restaurant and people are looking at you like, you know, yeah, God's right here at Panda Express. Amen? Yeah. But God is at Panda Express, and I can give him thanks for the, for the, for the shrimp and, 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 and all that good stuff. Amen? Leviticus 11, notwithstanding. Thank you for Acts chapter 10. Um. Man, there's, there's benefits too. Amen? Let's finish up with these benefits. He says, for the Lord, verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield, and the Lord will give grace and glory, and no good thing will he uphold from those who walk uprightly. He's a sun and shield. He's a sun and shield. Man, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you could say someone has a blessed life if 
you know, they've got a nice family, nice wife, nice spouse, nice kids, maybe a good job, a couple nice cars, you know, good pension. You know, you could say, oh, blessed life, blessed life. You know what? I, I have a God who's my, who's my son and my shield. I, I have a God who's, who's, who's my protector, and he's the one that, that, that shines down his, his love on me, his glory, his grace. He, he's with me all the time. I, I never have to, I, I'm never alone and I'm never forsaken. He, he, he's the glory and lifter of my head. Yes. Amen? Yes. No good thing will he withhold from his kids. No good thing. Man, the awesome benefits that we have of walking daily with the Lord. Amen? So, we'll finish it up with one more verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Paul was summing it up. He's saying, what, how are you going to worship the Lord? How are you going to worship God? He says, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. If you're a lover of God, you're, you become a worshiper of God. Amen? And when you become a lover of God and a worshiper of God, you do everything that you do is worship, is worship to him. Because he loves you. He looks down upon you and he says, that's my son. He looks down upon you and says, that's my daughter. Those are my kids. And they love me. And that's what God's looking for. Worshippers who will worship in spirit and truth.